Welcome to the Global CISO Forum, the podcast for information security executives. Welcome to the Global CISO Forum podcast. I'm your host, Amber Pedronselli. With me today is Ruta Almeida. She is the Certified CISO of the Year for 2019. Um, I am so thrilled to have her on our show. It was quite an honor to present her with that award in Atlanta uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, in addition to winning our CISO of the Year Award, she's also the CISO of Delta Dental of New Jersey and Connecticut. She's an advisor to many different boards, and she's an educator. And we'll get into all of that um, as soon as we can. So welcome to the show, Ruta. Thank you, Amber. I'm honored. I'm honored to receive the CISO Award uh, 2019 uh, from EC Council. And I'm honored to be on this podcast so thank you very much absolutely um it was really exciting to give you the award uh your nomination really stood out you know of course i have no say in who wins these things but i do read them all as they come in and yours was definitely i could tell uh, going to be a front runner right when it came in um the nomination really highlighted um i think three key things uh first that you established a third-party risk management system um you sort of streamlined a threat and vulnerability program, and you created a combined AppSec and governance program all within the last year uh, at your company. So that was really, really impressive. Um, let's kind of take those one at a time. Tell us about that third-party risk management system that you established. Yeah, and that is all thanks to my amazing team that I have here at Delta Dental of New Jersey and Connecticut. Um, so, uh, talking about the third-party risk management program, uh, we put together this program to basically address the third-party risks. And in this day and age, just like Delta Dental, everyone uses third-party. So, it's very, very important to manage that risk. So, we wanted to ensure that we put together a fo- program that uh, addresses all our needs and addresses all our, our risks. So we had to tailor, we had to build it from ground up. We use a few solutions and we combine it with our processes. We learned as we went through developing it. And uh, I'm happy to say that today at at this point, we have a robust third-party risk management program with several checkpoints at various phases of the process uh, within Delta Dental so that we can address and ensure that our strategic, uh, reputational, and other type of risks are uh, managed appropriately with new third-party relationships or existing third-party relationships. That is so important. Um, and I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a nomination where that was called out as uh, an initiative that a CISO took. Um, and I think it's probably an overlooked part of the industry. I'd like, you know, you're obviously uh, an expert in that, so you could tell me if I'm right about that. But uh, it seems like people focus first on their, you know, their internal company and how things are processing uh, and how secure they are, and then they start looking at risk management of third parties, uh, which can just be a, a huge loophole um, for people to, to fill. So, um, yeah, and I think that's what our our nomination committee really liked about it as well. Um, there are a few people on the committee that, that specialize in risk management, so I'm sure that was uh, a standout to them as well. Um, so, yeah, congratulations on on getting that program in place. That must have been very complicated because every every risk or third party is going to be different. Um, how did you exactly. tackle that? Exactly. 
Exactly. That's an excellent question. Yes, every third party is different. So there was no cookie cutter answer. Mm-hmm. We, we initially started and we said, yeah, we can put them in these two or three buckets. Uh, but then as we were going through it and uh, all the different third parties, the different kind of access they have, the different kind of services they provide, they are all different. So they don't always fall into a bucket. So we had to improvise as we are going through it. Uh, And at the end of the day, Amber, whether I am uh, handling all that information or I'm giving my information to a third party, at the end of the day, I'm responsible for that information, whether they are processing it in their data center or whatever. So I need to ensure that my security policies are followed by them to to make sure that my uh, data stays secure. Right. God, such a huge job. The, CISO, the role of the CISO really is just <laughs> tremendously complicated and sprawling. Um, so the next thing that was in your nomination, as if you needed more, uh, is the Threat and Vulnerability Program. Um, and it says that you streamlined it or improved it in some way. Um, how? Tell us, a li- you know, whatever you can about that that you did, because I know sometimes that's proprietary. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so for threat and vulnerability management, uh, especially like when you start with it, right, it's an uphill task because Mm -hmm. you have all these vulnerabilities that show up when you do a scan. And you're like, okay, which one should I tackle first? You can go by the criticality, but you also need to know, okay, what is the vulnerability? What is the threat? What is the impact? And what is the probability of Mm -hmm. that being exploited? Mm-hmm. So with the uh, with the budget that every CISO has, you have to ensure you're putting your money in the right uh, risk and you're evade, you are trying to protect your crown jewels, so to speak. So to ensure that we appropriately put our resources, we had to uh, put together a threat and vulnerability management program that we can address those critical risks and we are not going after uh, the low risks or uh, informational type of risk or something that is not exploitable in the wild. We want to ensure that we're putting all our resources in the correct area to manage the risk that is actual going to be uh, evaded, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, we, we, we went through several iterations on that as well. And it's a continuous process. So instead of doing a threat and vulnerability assessment, once in a while, you have to continuously do it, and you have to continuously prove that it's effective and ensure that you're improving it. Um, I cannot go into the details of exactly what we did, um, but definitely it's uh, teamwork over here. A lot of people were involved, and uh, definitely paid off. So you mentioned budget as as a part of how you classify things for, for your uh, vulnerabilities, but... Also, tackling all of these problems, programs, you know, opportunities for improvement in the same year uh, sounds very impressive. I'm sure you had to deal with budget constraints like everyone. How did you, how did you prioritize and, and decide to work on all of these things at once? Yeah, so that's, why, that's where we, we were very innovative. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used our internal resources who are very skilled and, at what they are doing. So we came up with innovative processes that we can uh, use 
and we don't have to always go and buy different solutions or uh, get services from the outside to do things for us. While we did use them, it's a combination. It's not everything in-house. It's a combination of in-house and external uh, resources from a solutions perspective or a services perspective. But we wanted to innovate and use uh, like any other security program with the resources you have. You're nev- nobody's ever going to get unlimited budget, right? Right. So f- uh, the amount of dollars that you have, you have to make that work and you have to ensure that you're using it towards addressing the company's risk, the business risk at, um, uh, at a higher level, right? I'm not looking at IT risk. I'm not looking at risk that is coming into one IT application. I have to look at the business risk, the enterprise risk. How is an enterprise? What is my business goal? And how am I supporting those goals? So putting my efforts in that area is very important. Does that help you get more, you know, stakeholder buy-in and, and therefore maybe budget by broadening your uh, your goals for information security? Uh do you think that if you looked at it just as an information security program that you wouldn't have as much success in getting a budget to do some such ambitious programs? Yeah, the thing is, see, I'm not running a program on the side, right? My information security program is here to uh, ensure that I support the business, I enable the business in whatever they want to do. So Mm -hmm. I'm always there to be an enabler. I'm there to ensure that whatever they decide to do, whatever our business goals are, we achieve those in a secure manner. Uh, being um, in the healthcare space, we are uh, we deal with very critical PHI information. We want to ensure that our clients' information is protected. They put their trust in us when they share their information with us. So we want to um, have that, keep that trust you know so we want to help them and assure them that we are doing whatever we need to whether it's from a compliance perspective or security perspective to protect that information and that's where being their business enabler helps me be a part of the team i'm not running a security program for myself Mm -hmm. if i'm just doing it for it then it's it's an IT program. It's not. It's a program for the enterprise. I am here to enable. It's an enabler. I don't want to be the chief inhibitor officer. I want to be the chief enabler officer. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so speaking of that, and I'll, you know, excuse my, my ignorance on this last one, but you, com- you made a combined AppSec and governance program, and I can't wrap my head around what that would look like. Um, can you just tell me as yes. much as you can about how that works? Yeah, so what we did, so initi- so we had an um, uh, application security program on the technical side where we, we do technical testing of application security, mm-hmm. totally separate. And then we have the risk management program where we um, follow a standard uh, security framework and we go through <clears throat> the risk management aspect of it. So that's more on the governance side. But I said, yes, this is great. The governance piece is excellent and the technical piece is excellent. But we are talking about, at the end of the day, the same type of data, the same type of systems, or sometimes the same system. But we are looking at two different panes of glass. So we need to combine 
So I know at any given point in time what my risk is from that data, not not separately from this is my technical risk, this is my governance risk. Mm-hmm. No, what is my overall risk? So that's where the whole concept of combine it, combining it together and getting an overall score, rather uh, an overall dashboard for me to look at. That's where the whole idea came by, and um, my team worked to put all that together and combine it into one program. So now we call it an application risk management program instead of uh, application risk controls assessment and then application security separately, you know. Hmm. So did you find that this was a kind of a cost savings at the end of the day? Yes, definitely. It was not only cost saving, but we were were getting rid of uh, using spreadsheets and uh, the the things that we were doing more manually, we were getting rid of that. Uh, So definitely it was effective and it was making us more productive. Wow. Okay. Well, so as I'm sure many listeners of this program, they, you know, anyone who manages an information security program, like you said, no one has unlimited budget. It sounds like you've been really innovative in streamlining things that's, that's ended up in making your, your team more efficient and probably saving some budget um, along the way. That's really quite an achievement. So uh, I, I think that we definitely picked the right CCSO of the year. <laughs> Thank you, Amber. Thank <laughs> of course. You. So there's probably a lot that um, our listeners can learn from uh, as far as looking at, you know, are you duplicating efforts for kind of no reason, just sort of having things in different buckets when maybe they're, it's the same processes and the same uh, thinking that goes in, into analyzing them. You know, why are they, why are they separated? Uh, that might be a, a good a good way to look. That also sounds like a good talk for the the Global CISO Forum. <laughs> it might be a good uh, lesson yeah. learned for for next year's CISO Forum if you're interested in speaking. Um, which you know sounds like you'd have a lot to teach any audience. Um, but wow, very very impressive. Uh, so thank you. You mentioned having a great team. Um, tell us a little bit about your experiencing your experience in management and. Uh, you know, what you've learned through the years? Because you've been at Delta De- Dental for, what, five years, four and a half years at this yeah, point? Yeah, four and a half Four years. and a half yeah. years. Um, mm-hmm. What have you learned along the way of managing your team and, and what kind of adjustments have you made and, and any lessons learned there? Um, so I have been a CISO here for four and a half years, and prior to that I was a CISO at another company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I have worked in information security industry for over 15 years, um, and over the years, working in different aspects of information security, uh, and eventually becoming a CISO, definitely gave me a, a, a lot of experience in working with individuals in this space and also managing individuals in this space. And one of the things that uh, I learned throughout my career is from the outside, sometimes people think, yeah, this is a very techie job. You uh, come here and you uh, kind of uh, look at the logs and you do your thing in the um, basement, so to speak, you know, in your own area, and you don't interact with the user, like very uh, 
information security folks are very um, into their own group and all of that. But it's not like that. We are uh, people in information security these days. They have and they need to have uh, a good uh, personable relationship. They need to be able to talk to the users to uh, make them understand why such and such a thing needs to be done or why they need to follow this policy or why they need to uh, adhere to this process. Because you don't want them to say, yeah, just we, we told you so, so please go ahead and do that, right? Mm -hmm. You want to explain it to them and you want to tell them uh, why they need to do it, why is it a risk if they don't do it in such a way. And the same thing applies to when you are going through, say, a risk assessment and you find a vendor that your business loves and that vendor has a great, very high security risk. So how are you going to bring that up to the business? Because business uh, who is dealing with that vendor, they don't want to get rid of the vendor. But you as a security professional, they're like, yeah, the vendor is very high risk. Please get rid of the vendor. It doesn't work that way. It is a teamwork. You have to ensure you put yourself in their shoes and they understand where you're coming from. You need to give them the full picture for them to make an informed decision. You're not making a decision for them. They need. They have the relationship with the vendor. You don't know what's happening behind the scenes, uh, what things could stop if the vendor uh, stopped performing, you know, things like that. So you need that uh, skill of being able to articulate those things to your users. So no longer is an information security job, you sit in a corner and do your stuff. It's not that. So it's very important uh, that you have people that you manage uh, know that this is very important part of their job. It's not a, just a technical job that you do in the basement, you know. Yeah, so let's back up. Um, before you were in charge of all of this, how did you get into information security? <laughs> That's a funny story, actually. Oh, good. <laughs> so um, I have um, I have a bachelor's in mechanical engineering, and I enrolled myself uh, to do my master's in mechanical engineering. And uh, after a few classes in my master's, I really did not like it. And I'm like, okay, I don't like even studying it, I don't know how I'm going to work as a mechanical engineer. So I, I said, okay, I need to do something different. I cannot live a life uh, doing something I don't like. So that's what I ended up doing, uh, master's in information systems. I changed my major and I completely from engineering, I moved to IT hmm. and uh, completed my master's MI, MSIS. And then uh, my first job after my master's was um, working for a big pharmaceutical company, and I was working in their information security department. And back in the day, it wasn't like there were no CISOs or uh, it wasn't, the department didn't look as it was. It was more compliance-oriented. It was more on the enterprise risk side and all of that. So that's how I entered the field of information security. And I liked it so much that I stayed there, and then over the years I worked in different aspects of information security. So I'm actually very lucky to be able to uh, 
learn from ground up and actually learn hands-on through the years and be where I am today. So when I am managing people or, or I'm working on different areas of information security, whether it is application security or vulnerability management or information security awareness or third-party risk management. I've been there, done that. So uh, it, it, it kind of gives me <clears throat> that um, that confidence that, okay, I know how this is done. I have done it before. And uh, it, 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 it helps me uh, to manage a program better. That's a really interesting perspective, and I'm sure it helps make you a, a great manager. Um, do you find that, I, and you, you may not have anything to compare this to, but do you find that managing information security professionals is maybe different from managing other kinds of professionals, as far as you know? Um, that, that is definitely one major difference. Mm-hmm. And that is we, we have to manage our team. We have to manage the the pressures, the stress that comes with a job sometimes. So we need to ensure we are managing people. It's not a job. It's a person. It's an individual. You need to give them the resources to be able to manage the stress that comes comes with a job sometimes, which is definitely different from other types of jobs. So uh, that definitely I would put uh, as number one. That's interesting. You know, and I think people forget, especially people like me who aren't technically in the profession, how stressful this is. It's not just making sure that systems work or processes are going smoothly, but if they mess up, you know, your company could end up in the news with reputational damage and members, you know, privacy exposed and uh, the stakes are really high. Um, Yeah, yeah. That's why I say we need advanced stress protection. Yeah. <laughs> like in insecurity, we said advanced threat, advanced threat protection. Right. Like that, we need advanced <laughs> stress protection. I just last week I did a, a talk on how to manage advanced stress protection. Mm. So what? Not to give away your secret sauce, but uh, what are some things that you do to help your staff manage their stress? So you. So uh, the different things that. A CISO can do, and something that I do is to ensure that, especially the people who are in front lines, you have to ensure that they are rotated because mm-hmm. uh, the people who are in front lines have the most, uh, sometimes the most uh, stressful events that they have to deal with, right? So uh, also need to learn, and I actually learned from my leadership coach, and he pointed it to me, is that. Uh, it's okay for me to give myself a timeout once in a while. And now I ensure that my team does that too because they need to be disconnected. They need to give, give themselves timeouts so they can recharge themselves and come back. Um, so one of the things that my leadership coach <clears throat> pointed it out, which I thought, oh, yeah, that's what it is. That's how it's done, was I have to be always connected. And I am responsible for everything to make everything right and all of that. And that wasn't helping me. It wasn't helping me recharge. So even when I was on, like, vacation or something, I had that No, I still do, so I'm still working towards that. But uh, it's very important to give 
wants a, a timeout, especially in fields like information security. So you can get recharged and come back. If you don't do that, you get burnt out. Just uh, recently, a Ponymon study said 65% of IT and security uh, folks, including the executives, are uh, thinking of quitting because of burnout. Wow. And we don't want that. No, we're always talking about the skills gap. And then I... I exactly. And now if people who are in here are quitting... We already have you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. That would just yeah, that's exacerbate. The, the, whole, the stress side, I have a whole talk I can talk about. Uh, that maybe that's the next uh, uh, global CISO forum I can talk about. But yes. Wow. That is a number <laughs> I hadn't heard before. But that's terrifying. Yeah. And I'm sure... That people who don't have uh, a boss like you are really suffering. They have a stressful job, and then they, they may have a, job, a boss who's wrapped up in being always connected and always on top of it because they're feeling the pressure and not dealing with it appropriately uh, by disconnecting and giving themselves a timeout, um, and then not letting their employees have that. You know, I can see the the burnout rate would be so high with that yeah, combination. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's great that you're thinking about how it affects you, but also how it affects your staff. And obviously, it's hard to keep good people. So you have to think about things like that. So speaking of the skills gap, have you encountered that? Is that something that you're dealing with? Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, that is definitely a challenge. Uh, if I'm, say, for example, out in the market to hire someone, it will take me a long time to find the right person because of the skills gap, uh, people put a lot of people uh, now because information security is like the hot field to be in. They change their resume to be uh, an information security professional, but they don't really have that uh, experience or skill set to do that. Mm -hmm. So you do get those fake resumes. And uh, so it's very hard to find good people. And as you said, once you have those good people, you want to keep them. So definitely the skills gap is uh, affecting everybody. So one of the things, and uh, it is also because there are less women in information security. If more women came in, we would be able to address the skills gap better, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. So one of the things that we do at Delta Dental is we've started an uh, inf information security summer internship program for uh, young women who is graduate graduating high school oh, wow. so we want them to come in uh, during their summer work with our information security team get hands-on learning of how information security program is run in a corporation and then the goal is that they go to college they take those courses and come back with the skill set and the knowledge uh, and come back to the field uh, so that's the goal uh, because um, I do <clears throat> career coaching for uh, many women and while talking to some of the high school and seniors and juniors a few years ago, I realized that they had misconception about information security and IT in general. And because of that, those misconceptions, they weren't even considering it, you know. So I'm like, okay, I need to do something. So that's when we put this program together. And it's uh, basically to get those young women interested in this field. And hopefully 
they come back, they bring their knowledge, they bring their friends back in the industry, and together we can make it a more secure place. Well, that's brilliant. I mean, so many, it's a shame to say, but like, I think we find out about career options, unfortunately, a lot through media. You know, you whoever, mm-hmm. what you see people doing on TV, and the, you're, you're not going to see a CISO on TV right now. You're not going to see anybody but, you know, the silly like CSI hacking things with someone in a basement and or whatever yeah Um, wearing a hoodie yeah our industry is not well represented in pop culture so yeah Yeah, that's a really interesting way to to try to counter that um just by actually exposing high school kids that's a that's a really critical time Um, exactly i don't want them to uh, while i would but by the time, if I reach them in summer internship for colleges, they've already chosen what they want to do. Mm-hmm. It's too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't, you know, if they're a biology major, it doesn't really make sense for them to come <laughs> to an internship yeah, with you. Exactly. So, exactly. yeah. Well, that's. I, I mean, I love that idea. And that was your program that you initiated. Yes. Yeah, so we do that every summer oh, cool. um, since the past two years, and it's a very successful program. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. Um, it, and, you know, obviously we can talk offline, but EC Council would be thrilled to, to maybe get involved and, and donate some training or something um, to those students. But That would be awesome. That yeah. would be amazing. We would love, we would love that. So awesome. we can definitely talk <laughs> offline on that. All right. Yeah, we love to yeah, back those yeah, kinds yeah. of initiatives. But yeah, um, yeah. that's cool. So I wanted to talk about, so you, you have a couple of advisor, board advisory positions on your resume as well as uh you do some educating i wanted to touch you know kind of briefly on on each of those things um tell us about the boards you serve on yes so uh i'm part of the advisory board for a company called ci security and i'm a venture advisor for yl ventures um so they are two different companies one is a venture capitalist um it's basically a seed to lead a kind of a company. They invest money in up-and-coming ideas for information security and then help them become uh, an up-and-coming solution or services company within information security. So I'm a venture advisor over there. And then CI Security uh, is a security services company based out of Seattle, Washington, and uh, they do amazing things uh, not only in the security services area, but also CI Security provides uh, security services, um, uh, including MSSP, SOC, MDR services uh, to different organizations. And uh, they also have various testing, security testing services. And um, um, it's, it's a great company. Uh, so I'm glad to be a part of that, uh, being on that advisory board. Do you see any trends? I mean, cybersecurity is kind of a, a trend in itself in the startup world, um, has been for a couple of years now. Do you see any kind of more micro trends in cyber sec- the cybersecurity startup realm? Uh, what do you mean by micro trends? Well, just that in startups, kind of cybersecurity is its own macro trend. There's so many. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been kind of a boom in cybersecurity startups the last, I don't know, five years. Um, yeah. And so I've seen a lot of coverage about fintech and how that's kind of the hot, the hot uh, 
you know, a lot of fintech security companies have been coming out. But as an advisor and someone who's sort of involved with venture capitalists, do you see anything as far as like the the next wave of cybersecurity companies that are starting now? Yeah, so um, I would say the next wave uh, would be uh, to, ma- to automate security and make it uh, more manageable, so to speak, with less alerts, because you don't want a dearth of alerts. Right now, everyone is buried with their, like, ton of alerts that they get every day and who, what do you respond to and all of that. So automating it to make it better is definitely something I see that uh, the up-and-coming organizations are looking at. And then also there are certain areas in information security that have not been addressed. Uh, so I am looking at micro trends over there to get maybe products or services in those areas that have not been addressed right now. It, it, the way it is addressed would be like a combination of a lot of things or getting a big elephant in the room and now you need like 10 FTEs and mm. so many millions of dollars to just to maintain that. So that is not really cost effective. So right. something in those areas, definitely. Well, that's interesting. I mean, and you mentioned automation and the the flood versus the dearth of, of uh, you know, messages that, that CISOs are wading through. That's such a yeah. tricky fine line. Um, and I'm sure that a lot of the companies are, are using machine learning and artificial intelligence to help with that. But it's still, wow, what a tricky thing to, to try to address uh, with, a, with a tool. Um, that actually brings me back to something you said. So you said that a lot of the way that you're improving information security at your company currently is you're doing a hybrid of using services, but then building a lot of, of the complementary aspects of, of your program in-house. And I'm wondering if that makes things better overall because you're never relying fully on a service provider to just sort of take care of and automate a section of your program, but you have it sort of embedded into something that you built with your people all around it. At least that's how I envisioned it when you said it. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering if that approach is actually, you know, you said it was for budget reasons, but if that's just better to do anyway so that you're never fully relying on a vendor and their, their alerts it, yeah, and stuff. So yeah, so it's a combination. Yes, it's not only for <clears throat> budget reasons. It's also when you have uh, people on your team managing all of that, you have the insider uh, knowledge that a third party may not have. So if you, like, pick up something and just give it to them and say, yeah, do it, without any insider mm-hmm. support, I think you lose that. Um, first is you lose that making it your own, right? It is Then it becomes a cookie cutter that you're trying to fit in. Uh, so... To, I don't want to lose that configuration, so to speak. Not, it, it, the, I'm using that word as an analogy, but I want it that process or that program to fit my needs. I don't want the program, okay, this is what they offer and this is what I'm going to use. Mm-hmm. No, this is my program and this is what we want you to do. 
you know. So that's why I always do a combination of uh, inside and outside because I, I, I don't think it's a good use of <clears throat> my money to do everything in-house. Mm-hmm. Plus, there are lots of skills that are available outside who are more skilled on doing those things than um, anybody I can hire. They will give me 24 hours, support 365 days. They just do that, so they are highly skilled in what they offer. So I definitely take that advantage. And then when I have some internal uh, person managing all that, I get the internal knowledge weaved in. So best of both worlds. As with everything we've talked about, that sounds like just such an innovative and intelligent way to approach that problem. Um, again, very impressive. Uh, and thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, is, is there anything you'd like to, to tell our, our listeners or our members that we didn't cover uh, in our interview or uh, anything you'd like them to direct their attention to? Uh, I think we covered a lot, and I'm really privileged to be here. Uh, so um, there's nothing else I want to say. I want to thank you, Amber, for uh, this podcast and uh, for this great conversation that we had, and also to EC Council for giving me the award. And um, I just feel that... Uh, I feel so privileged and so honored to get the CCSO award. And definitely that certification opened my eyes and gave me a different perspective. So it, it definitely is, is worth every uh, effort that I put in. Uh, so uh, while I said I don't want to say anything, I want to <laughs> say one thing is uh, the certifications that you guys offer, I think they are excellent. If anybody wants to start their career or change their career, I think starting with EC Council certifications uh, would be a great, great uh, first step. Well, thank you so much for that plug. We agree. Um, And thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, have Have a great day, Ruta. Thank you, Amber. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Global CISO Forum, the podcast for information security executives.